Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'm Kathy. And we are here uh, to do the podcast for February 24th, 2019, broadcasting, well, it's not live when you're listening to it, but we're broadcasting here from uh, Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana, and uh, uh, um, we are we are broadcasting late, uh, my fault, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the flu bug. Uh, bit and bit hard, uh, so uh, but uh, um, we're 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 getting it out there. We're glad you're on the mend, and we're glad you didn't spread it. <laughs> Only to my entire family. <laughs> so apologies to uh, my sweet children and my wife, uh, who I then uh, infected. But uh, so uh, before we get going, uh, uh, it, it's a pretty quick and easy. Uh, um, uh, sponsor that we have this week. This week, this podcast is brought to you by Excuses. <laughs> it's what I'm full of this week. Uh, so yeah, uh, it literally did not have uh, it did not have any uh, mental capacity to to write one. I'm sure many podcast listeners I'm are. Ready to rip. I go for it. Dude. <laughs> we all make excuses all the time, theologically, scripturally. You see both in the New Testament and Old Testament, major figures making excuses for why they fell asleep or why they're not following God's will or why they didn't notice this, that, or the other thing. So excuses actually have a very deep theological tradition, and we should not take them lightly, though we should use them carefully. Fantastic. My, 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 my excuses aren't that deep. No, they're not. Very, very superficial excuses. Uh, uh, but... I think those are pretty deep flu bugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They were so so uh, so so uh, if uh, if you are at home and and uh, listening and have that same feeling, uh, uh, our our sympathies are are with you. We understand. Uh, well, I do. Uh, luckily, you guys are uh, appear to still be uh, so far uh, so good. Uh, Thank goodness for flu shots. Exactly, uh, avoiding all that. So that's fantastic. So you, but you can listen to our gentle voices and fall back to sleep. <laughs> Or listening, listen to my grating voice, and, uh, and you know maybe it'll uh, and, and impassion you to get up and go do something. <laughs> At least drink more fluids, for goodness sake. <laughs> so uh, we're we're glad you're uh, joining here uh, with us, and uh, and 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 Kathy, you are you're you're joining us. You're our you're our first repeat guest. Yes. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> first and best. I don't. I don't know guest. that. Oh, okay. Yeah. As long as I'm the best repeat guest for one week. At, at least. I can guarantee that at one least week. one week you will hold that title. All right. Uh, so, so that's, that's, uh, we appreciate you coming back and you are, you're, you're going to, you're going to preach on this, uh, uh, on this series of readings uh, right. on um, Sunday. We hope so. <laughs> yeah. Unless you give her the if, flu. If I keep, <laughs> if like, give me the flu. If I can keep my germs to myself, uh, then, then, then all things will go according to plan. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, well, why don't we, um. Why don't we jump in here? We've got a, we got a lot to unpack here. So the first reading is from Genesis chapter 45 verses 31, 31 3 through 11 and uh, uh, we tack on uh, verse 15 there. And so that reads this way. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed 
or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his houses, of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have, I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them, and after that his brothers talked with him. So, uh, uh, this, is a, this is a story that I, I think uh, uh, many of us learn uh, as young children. Uh, Joseph getting sold into slavery uh, by his brothers when they were when he was young, goes to Egypt uh, as as a slave, and then kind of rises to prominence uh, and uh, becomes kind of ruler over Egypt. And uh, lo and behold, a famine, uh, a terrible famine, uh, come comes in, and he has the foresight to kind of plan for it. Right. And uh, long story short, the um, uh, his brothers and his his father who didn't really know this story yeah. um <clears throat> uh, oops he was eaten by a wolf right yeah <laughs> i don't know what happened to that kid he was really small though carried off by a by an african swallow i think <laughs> um but uh monty python reference sorry i had to throw that in there um but uh so so his entire family comes down to egypt and basically hoping for some sort of uh, um, um, uh, assistance from from the pharaohs mm -hmm. and, and 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 in order to, to to maybe survive and lo and behold it turns out it's Joseph um, but the verse picks up the, the reading picks up right basically right after his big reveal uh, to his brothers which right. is, is a fantastic story but you know we won't go in all of that uh, um, he reveals himself to them, and they are nonetheless, you know, suffice it to say, shocked, stunned, not sure what to do. Because technically, his position, uh, now that he's revealed himself, his next order could be like, and you all die. Right. <laughs> Which right. is probably what yeah. they were expecting, right? I mean, uh, would, would have oh, been fair to crap. <laughs> right. So, uh, uh, what, what, do we, what do we think about this, uh, this reading? Um, well, I, I think it's kind of a fun one in some mm -hmm. ways. Um, it, it, that exact thing that you just said, you know, oh, now he could take his revenge. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, you know, it's, um, it's interesting to me that Joseph, who has been away from his whole family for probably decades mm -hmm. by this point, um, recognizes his brothers and they don't recognize him which i think says something about um you know they they um those brothers had spent the last several years 
probably feeling guilty, but also feeling like they had you know, gotten rid of that little pain in the neck who was always getting something better than they got. Right. Um, he was the kid who was the dreamer, and he always got the fanciest coat. And wouldn't you know it, being a dreamer is actually what saved <laughs> what saved Egypt right. and ultimately his own family. And it, um, be, being a dreamer is that the modern equivalent of like the artist in the family of like a. Um. No, it was more like being the um, the family fortune teller, I guess, or the magi. <laughs> sort of a magi, a magus. Um, he he tended to have these dreams that he considered prophetic, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, prophetic as in, here's what's going to happen. Now we have to figure out what this means. And um, that's exactly how he managed to get Egypt through the famine, mm-hmm. or th- was through dreams. Um, and his brothers, when they were first ready to get rid of him, there, there were kind of two things in their head. Number one, dreamer to them was a really negative sort of a thing get out of here because his dreams weren't terribly favorable toward his brothers yeah something about them bowing down to him yeah Yeah. what do you know there it comes older brothers Um, love hearing about how they're gonna you know that's like rue the days kind of you're gonna rue the day and yes bow Um, down to me so so joseph was was that kid that mm-hmm. no one wants for a little brother. Um, <laughs> Smarter, better dressed, the whole nine yards. Yeah, right? and you know, he always got the, you know, he had that fancy coat that his father gave him. And that was also part of the the irritation that his brothers were feeling, you know. Sure. Why did he get that coat? And I didn't get one of those coats. Well, so they've gone all these years thinking he was well and gone. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, maybe hoping that he had died in slavery by now, or that at least he was destroyed as a human being. And for them to show up and be staring at this guy and hoping maybe whoever it was was going to do something favorable toward them. And then they take a while to go, oh yeah, when Joseph says, I'm your brother Joseph. You know, he's been kind of pushing at that before the story starts. Yeah. And then finally says, I am your brother. And wouldn't you know, there he is wearing the fanciest coat again. Um, fanciest <laughs> Along coat with the... plenty of other fancy things, I'm sure. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that. Yeah. Um, the corner office. Yeah, that was. Uh... He got the corner office and the fancy coat, and he still dreams dreams. Even in famine um, days, it had to have been one of the yeah. nicer setups. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you would you would kind of expect that Joseph being human, like the rest of us, um, would kind of think, okay, they don't even remember me. They still hate me. Mm-hmm. And now they look a little bit like they might be afraid of me. Um, so he would have been, we, I'm just going to be perfectly human here. We might be sitting here thinking, I wouldn't blame him if he whacked him all over the head. You know, it's like, sure. Now, I'm in charge here, and you are not throwing me in any more wells, but maybe I'll throw you in one. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, the, the 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 dream that he had had that we referenced earlier had already come true before this before this uh, section of reading uh, that we went through uh, right. occurred. They had just bowed down to him, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, prophecy fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Do it. It's do like as a, you will. It's like a dream come true, wouldn't you know? Um, and so, you know, he doesn't even suggest anywhere along the way that he's going to take the revenge that we might think he's justified in doing. Yeah, entitled to um, Although I know we're not supposed to believe in revenge, but, you know, that's our human streak that, you know, somewhere up the back of our heads, we have this little... Uh, yeah. get you now um and instead he offers them forgiveness he offers them a life-saving really a miracle yeah in many ways and he loves them yeah and i i don't know how you know when you're these brothers standing there going ah oh huh how do you take that? How do you accept that love? That restoration of relationship. Yeah. It's um reconciliation in its best. Yeah. You know, how do you, and how do you say, <clears throat> Oh, thank you very much? You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's um that's when you have to really um go with with humility and be glad you can find it somewhere in yourself. Well, let's all just admit, uh, sit back and admit that uh, Joseph has ruined it for the rest of us. <laughs> as far as well, yeah. as as far as being a sibling, right, goes, um, yeah, yeah, being in the little brother. Thanks, club. Joseph. <laughs> Thanks, Joseph. We really appreciate you being so ridiculously model that you know. I I I I don't I could have never have shown that much grace, even if I would have ended up in the same. Even if I could have ended up in the same uh, end resolution of mm -hmm. like, you know, yes, well, you know, you yeah. know, come come down and bring bring everyone here. I want to see my father again, and we'll all we'll all survive this famine together. Could never have have accomplished it uh, uh, with with as as much love and grace as as he demonstrates and, in the reading. And neither could Joseph without God's presence. Right. Yeah, and that's one reason why some uh, folks see this as one of the, not just a model for human behavior, but one of the images of how Christ comes into our lives. Mm -hmm. That Christ will enter our life, or is always part of our life, but will be seen in our life almost like the humble little brother. And won't overwhelm us, won't hit us over the head, won't make us go through 14,000 different um obstacle courses before we get God's love, but instead immediately gives us what we need to literally live as well as to prosper. Yeah. Yeah. What a great, what a great way for him to, to, to view that as like, no, that you, this, you didn't do this to me. God yeah. put me in this position to accomplish this. You, right. you did what you had to do because this is what God wanted in the long run which which gets into a little bit of tricky theology it does it does um because that everything I, happens for a reason i don't think everything happens <clears throat> for a reason and i don't think everything that happens to us is what god wants to have happen and it's it's easy to read it that way and mm -hmm. in this case you know i kind of want to believe that um i think more to the point though whatever happens in our life god finds a way to turn it around and make it good, right? That, that that in that in every situation there is there is a potential 
maybe a potential next step forward. Right. Well, and it's that word redemption, mm -hmm. you know, to trade one thing for another, to take this crazy thing that these brothers did and God turns it into a whole other thing, kind of like, right. you know, I'm old, so I remember this when um, moms used to go to the grocery store and get, you know, little stamp thingies and you could glue them all in a book and take them down somewhere and get a, a new table lamp or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was it was basically a pile of junk that you glue together and you get to redeem it. Yeah, and true. you turn it into yeah. something else. That's yeah. why they're called redemption. Stamp, redemption stamps. Yeah. 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 Um, and if only we could buy our way into a good and holy life by collecting stamps. But instead, we just got to accept the grace. <laughs> God loves all the stamp collectors out there. God loves the stamp collector. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good. Very good. Anything else on this one? No. Um, just that. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to say that um, I think this this story that we read first on Sunday um, sets the theme for us because oh, everything yeah. else we're going to look at is about, gee, wouldn't you know, God is love. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't, wouldn't you know? know? There you go. <laughs> well, very good, very There's good. There's my sermon. All right. <laughs> Three words. You still, you still should come and yeah. listen to it, I think. At eight and ten. Eight, exactly. All right, well, then let's move on here. Uh, the next reading here is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 38, 42 through 50. And that reads, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, with the sown, uh, is, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a physical body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, for the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is, is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of, ma of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. We could have just read chapter verse 50. <laughs> That's the punchline. <laughs> you want to read that punchline again? What I'm saying, what I'm trying to say, brothers... Uh, and sisters, is this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the Im imperishable. Um, so in, in one respect, uh, flesh and blood inheriting the kingdom of God, is that, in ref is that again, driving home uh, a point that has been uh, throughout a lot of readings, uh, especially to 
uh, the Corinthians and different uh, different uh, outcroppings of early Christianity, uh, talking about uh, trying to drive them uh, away from this idea of uh, a residing kingdom here on earth and more heavenly um, aspirations in, 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 in those regards. Because again, they, they, they very much, um, there were many people who expected uh, God's reign on earth to be a physical overthrow of of uh, the Roman Empire and an establish of, you know, a Jewish nation that would then reign and rule and ha would have very physical properties here on earth. Is that, um, is this in part tackling kind of that mentality and, uh, or, or is this, is this more, uh, more heavenly um, uh, oriented in, in of itself? Well, to begin with, Paul makes me dizzy. <laughs> um, this reading isn't quite as bad as when we had last week. Right. Sitting in church, I nearly fell out of my chair <laughs> um, with the round and roundy thing. But um, in answer to the, the question... He likes his circular argument. He really he, does. He, he, yeah. Um, <laughs> problem is you can't tell where the question and the answer meet tail to tail there. Um but in, in, in thinking about your question, and I'm not going to say I'm answering it, I can say I'm addressing it. Sure. Um, things were not going well for the Jews and this new Christian group that wasn't called Christian yet. But, mm -hmm. um, things weren't going well. And, you know, back, back when Jesus was alive, he said things that sort of, pointed to the fact that things would not always be going well in the very near future. Mm -hmm. um, Paul is coming even closer to the really horrid times that were coming for the Jews in the, in the Roman Empire. And um, I, I think if there's a practical use to what Paul is saying, I think it's a way of kind of soothing the wounds that are about to come, you know. Mm. Yeah, this isn't going to go well. Um, we're probably all going to die, which pretty much happened. Um, right. But there's, but God has more. Um, God has more, and God always has more. But I think to some extent too, you know, Paul was, um, he was coming out of a very strongly Jewish background. He was he was a Jew, and he was a leader within that community and um well my brain just went the way of paul um, do you want to start over woo, yeah, start you want to you want to phrase it in a slightly different way but the same um, we'll no, just go straight for resurrection. No, but, but what, I, what i want to say is that um paul wanted there to be more Mm -hmm. Paul had spent many years of his life kind of doing what he now understands to have been a rather horrid thing. Um, and, well, not many years, but several years of his life doing some pretty bad stuff, killing these new Christians and such. Um, and I, I think in some ways he was probably also needing the promise of something more. You know, mm. I I want a life where all those things I did are no longer following right on my tail. Right. 
where the, um, where those things don't don't uh, matter for eternity yeah, but the, the yeah and and i think you know we kind of all want that in sure. a way and i think that probably part of what's supposed to happen is that you know in in giving our lives over to god in, through through baptism through confession through forgiveness through believing in forgiveness we're supposed to be able to snip those little things off of our tails and, you know, leave them in the dust mm -hmm. because that's kind of what God promises to do. Um, so I, yeah, it's, um, well, it's dizzying. <laughs> I do, I, I do kind of find it interesting though, that you kind of, you kind of hinted at that uh, one aspect of this might be, you know, uh, um, encouraging the readership of like look you might even lose your life uh, uh because of uh, of this goal and mm -hmm. that is okay because you're not going to be able to you can't you can't come into you know god's presence the way you know in in your in your mortal mortal yeah. form you know that's that's the inevitability that, that don't fear that that is you know that that's a that's a an end to be celebrated and 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 an end that that allows you to come into um you know your your full realization with with god yeah. so yeah um i, I think I we're, interesting. we're always in god's presence but we don't always see god fully and i think that's a wonderful promise that that paul yeah. points toward a lot Mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. the the seeing in the glass darkly um yeah yeah and being able to finally see clearly right from chapter 13 here mm -hmm. we're getting close to that well we just oh, we already we passed, passed it, it. <laughs> yeah we did 15, 15 down chapter 13 <clears throat> yeah. yep and one other interesting thing about the letter to the corinthians is that it's a, it is a greek community to whom he is writing and this mm -hmm. conversation about body the Greeks of that era, for a couple hundred years before as well, were very much into bodily perfection okay. and had uh, an aesthetic that would rival our own modern aesthetic for you can't be too thin, you can't be too muscular, you can't be gotcha. too cut, you know, all yeah. that stuff. And so for him to be saying, you know, that really doesn't matter, was extremely countercultural. Mm. And particularly for the most handsome and beautiful in the congregation might have set their teeth on edge hmm. that the rest of society was saying they were the best, the brightest, and the most beautiful. And here's Paul saying, yeah, it won't really matter. Yeah. That's what I was. Thank you. But you're welcome. That was, <laughs> yeah. See, we just need to circle back around. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we need to do Paul's logic and get me so we can get back to it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, Having said all that, and, and I think any of those are possibilities, and, you know, I, I I have to believe that it doesn't matter too much what my body looks like, and that God's going to love me anyway, so that's kind of nice. Um, but um, I, I want to look at that, that, um, that business of, you know, a spiritual body. Mm -hmm. what, what on earth is a spiritual body? Um, because, you know, my body is pretty much flesh and blood and it hurts when I hit something really hard and all that. But um, 
the the idea of a spiritual body. I mean, if we look at what happened to, with Jesus after his resurrection, mm-hmm. he came back in a spiritual body, but he ate fish, right? And he had wounds, and people could touch him. He was still this tangible, living being in some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will admit right off the bat to um, having a lot of trouble figuring out what the whole resurrection thing means. You know, um, I suppose I'm supposed to know that, but I'm not sure any of us really well, do. Well, to, to be fair, uh, only one has done it. <laughs> it's only been done once. So, and so, and yeah. and while there is great study about that one, uh, uh, there there's not very much scientific study that can go on uh, yeah. Yeah. when you have such a limited uh, um, right. You know, cemetery yeah. did not have security cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and you know, interestingly, um, of all the of all the topics surrounding the life of Jesus from mm-hmm. beginning to end. Um, the least painted, in fact, almost never painted um, bit of bit of the story is the resurrection. Nobody knows how to paint the resurrection. Um, I mean, and I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you. It, it's. I mean, it's no different than. Um, uh, it, I, I guess many things. I mean, when you, whenever you explain something, like take an example, trying to explain something to a child that they have no basis mm-hmm. for no no understanding no reference how do you how do you yeah how do you even begin right. uh yeah. uh with it with that and and that's kind of where we find ourselves where the children in the story oh definitely yeah. that we can't yeah. you know we have no reference point to which god can begin you know, well child of mine let me tell you it's like no, you don't know that. <laughs> yeah. right. So sometimes you know how. No, well, that's you don't. What we have, that's what we have Paul doing in this reading. It's like a grain <laughs> of wheat, or, or maybe some other seed, or right, right. But what maybe it's something completely. Know? Know? Right, right. You know, I, I think it's interesting that that Flax. one of the things we know about um, the human brain is that we can't imagine something we haven't already seen. Right. And you know, we right. think we're doing that sometimes. If if you know, if we're painting something and we distort it and pull it this way and right. pull it that way and make it an odd color, it's like, but there, it's, I've imagined something no one's ever seen before. Right. But, but it's really an I've, amalgamation of things I've that seen you've already shapes and I've seen exactly. colors and all that stuff. Um, but what I what I wanted to um, to point out as as I as I was thinking about spiritual bodies and what that might mean, um, I was thinking about some things that I read recently on some brain research at Columbia and Yale and probably some other places, but that's what I was reading, um, is that somewhere in our brain, and they've identified where it's in you know, some parietal lobe or something. I don't know much about how you put together. Oh, I don't have together. one of those. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, but there's a place in our brain, an actual physical place, where spirituality happens. Hmm. Um, not religion. We aren't. We're not hardwired for religion, but we. You are. don't have a religious cortex, or no, or no religious okay. cortex. But you do have a spiritual location in your brain, um, and they've done, well, obviously, not tons and tons of research yet. This is pretty new, but um, if if someone, if a researcher recalls for a research subject 
something that's related to what they've described as their own spirituality. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say I believe in God. Okay. We could imagine that. And um, what they can tell a story about God or ask someone to think about God. And always in everybody's brain, the same spot lights up as having been activated. Huh. And um, if your spirituality happens to be loving the human race, and you're asked to think about that, the same spot will light up. Or if you have a deep spiritual experience by walking in a garden, and you're recalling that, the same place will light up. And it's the same in everybody. Same spot in the brain. Um, not to, not to put you on the spot on that, but do do you have any anything that you can reference on, uh, like a like because that that's very fascinating. I'd I'd love to be able to reference a, a well, something. I could. I mean, this is a an article out of Quartz. It's a brain magazine. Okay. Um, and it's from May thirtieth, twenty eighteen, regarding research at Columbia and Yale universities. Um. There you go. That's probably sufficient. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that'd be good, um, good enough for a Google search. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's fascinating that... That is fascinating. You know, I don't think I've heard that There's that spot before. in your brain, and it, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a religious person, mm-hmm. but it means that we are all spiritual people. And and that's in the most basic sense. Yeah. And and primarily, that's been uh, one of the growing trends in... in um, um, in America in particular right. has been people identifying as spiritual, not religious. Right. Which quite frankly, uh, I, I can work with. Yeah. It's better you know, than nothing. I, 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 I prefer you to be spiritual. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that's a great place to start. And we can and work on the religious part down the road. Right. And isn't it fabulous to know that we're all spiritual, even if not religious, that's just yeah. who we are by nature of being human. So, um, yeah, that is cool. Mm-hmm. I doubt that Paul ever read that research, <laughs> but I think in some ways he might be on to something here, you know, that we have to, I'm going to modernize this a lot, but we have to recognize who we truly and most deeply are. Mm-hmm. We as, as Christians, Episcopalians have taken that a step further and said, my spirituality has led me here. Yeah. this religious mm-hmm. particular manifestation of being a spiritual person, mm-hmm. um, somebody else's experience and learning might take them someplace quite else, but that's okay. Um, and, and the question that this raises for me, because I know that as Christians, we're supposed to believe in resurrection in some form, which is what Paul's talking about here mm-hmm. and leading to the spiritual body thing. Um, if what Paul is talking about in, in referencing all this back to Christ, this is what happened in Christ's life. Um, and if the point of Jesus being born as human, living, dying, resurrecting, is to convince us all to follow in the kind of life that he was living, that life of unquestioning love, mm-hmm. no matter what, um, drawing people in toward God. If Paul is only talking about whatever's going to happen after we literally physically die and come back to life in some other form in some other place, mm-hmm. 
what on earth good is that? I mean, I just, I <laughs> yeah. have to ask, that's a horrid question, I suppose. But um, once we all get to heaven, whatever that means, um, we won't need to be drawing other people in and helping them to claim and acknowledge God's promises. I mean, some of us need to get with the program in terms of sharing that. And others of us, well, not anybody in this room, but other people among us really need to be drawn up from the underside of life mm -hmm. and, and be introduced to that Isaiah thing of, you know, flattening the plane, flattening the hills, yeah. clearing yeah, yeah, yeah. the way so that everyone can see God. And um, if this only happens after we're dead and gone to wherever God takes us next, it just feels a little bit. Yep. The race is over at that point. Yeah, we're all it's either, it's either won or it. lost at, at, at yeah. the the the, yeah. the so. time to, the the time to strive is is over at that point. Yeah, I would I would love to. I I do not want to read uh, Paul's scientific journals. <laughs> I would hate to see that argument around and around. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, then moving on to Luke chapter six, verse twenty-seven, verses thirty-eight. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not eat, withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinner, for even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as, as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Um, so, I mean, that really kind of sums it up. I mean, this was, uh, we, we talked about Christ as an example. We talked, obviously, in the reading uh, of Joseph as an example. I almost even said he, uh, he a shining example of turning the other cheek uh, um, uh, when, when it came time to mm -hmm. forgiving his family and went above and beyond, uh, like I said, what I think I could have mustered. Right. Um, I, I do have a question, though, about um, the reference there in 38. I'm a little confused. I'm, I'm a little unsure as to what is being described there a good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be put into your lap it, what is that it literally <sighs> it literally is referring to a way of do in the marketplace or somewhere like that where a good mm -hmm. measure was a basket that was literally overflowing with whatever it was you were purchasing or bartering for. Oh, okay. So it's a way filled up thing gotcha. that is very desirable. A, a, a bushel of blah right. that hasn't been, that, that has been compacted as tightly as it can and is still overflowing and is, is uh, it, they're not, they're not skimping on it and going and 
It's like the cookie filling the, the the center with rocks. <laughs> right. It's like the cookie jar where the lid won't fit. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I was kind of curious what that was. Yeah. 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 It's not just what you are due. It's mm-hmm. a lot better and a lot more than that. And it, it is, uh, it, it, this verse in particular has very, very interesting implications as to like how to, how, you know, how to live your life. And, and that, that I find very interesting just in that, you know, it, it, it even goes into lending practices, which is, uh, which is uh, kind of an interesting, uh, um, uh, area to delve into, but, uh, you know, and, uh, don't just love people who love you. I mean, that's easy. Love mm-hmm. people regardless. And that's the tough one. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I kind of feel like what Jesus is saying here is a a pre-explanation of what Paul says later on. Um, this is less circular, I feel. Yeah, that, um, sorry, know, Paul. I'm so sorry, Paul. This really is just a straight thing. I mean, Jesus yep. had no confusion with this at all. It was love and love unconditionally. And love some more. And if that's not enough, love some more. Yeah, if you have any questions, um, love this way too. Right. Yes. And, and if that doesn't again. work, try love. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's it. Absolutely. Um, I, I find I am always captured by that idea of if someone takes your coat, mm-hmm. offer them your shirt as well. And the the, the very basic, fascinating... Um, oh. What, what that does, how that transforms a person. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone steals something from you, which is basically what Jesus is saying, someone mm-hmm. comes along, they snatch your coat. Well, what you're supposed to do is not run after them shouting thief, thief, but to um, call them back and say, hey, do you need a shirt too? <laughs> to, to run after them and, and they're like, wait, do you need something else? Right. And, and what that does, and maybe... The thief would not enjoy this very much, but maybe they would. I don't know. But it takes the thief and turns them into someone who is expected to accept the grace you're having, you're offering them. Hmm. Suddenly, it's not thief and victim. It's generous person redeeming not so generous person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's like immediately, and that's what love does. Yeah, love transforms us from whatever we are to something else. Yeah, and let's be clear: this is not the easiest of uh, of concepts to put into practice. But the neat thing about it is, even though it's not easy, it always allows us to be the proactive person. Mm. So that at the moment, in a moment where we may feel like we have no choices, we have no authority, we have no whatever it is, by loving, we actually become the person who is the most powerful in that moment because it is God who's in that moment. And we've seen all through history all sorts of instances of people where the person with secular power thought they were successfully oppressing someone when in fact it was producing art and literature and poetry and prayers and hymns and actually transforming the folks who were oppressed because they chose to live out lives of love towards the oppressor rather Mm. than accept their status as always being taken from. Hmm. And that's, um, that's powerful stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, power, power is a weird thing, and and love is a weird thing. And when you put love and power in the same place, um, you come up with something that's so back to Joseph. It's almost unfathomable that anybody could pull that off, and yet throughout history, it's been done. You know, yeah, from, right. From the earliest recordings of history on to yesterday, or maybe this afternoon, I haven't read the day's news, but um, that's constantly happening. Yeah. People choose to, to just kind of put a roadblock in front of oppressive power and say, I'm going to paint a picture. Yeah. And it's going to change the world somehow. And, mm. and that happens. Um, yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's great. Um, so, concluding statement? Sure. Since we're talking about sure. love here. Let, allow um, us to conclude. I just, I just want to say that the, the, there's not much I really know in life. I do know God is love. And I won't let go of that one. Um, and I don't get to define what that means. I think, mm. you know, love has been described in many, many ways, mm -hmm. but I don't get to dis define it because I'm not always very good at it. So my definition wouldn't be very helpful. Um, but God defines love and God has revealed it and described it and made it alive through the life of Jesus and so many other ways, including the poets and the, and the painters who have redeemed everything from wars to personal persecutions um, through saying, I'm going to love this way. And that always happens with God's power because it's God's love. And it's bigger. Love is bigger than the capacity of any of us to, um, to hold as a, you know, here's what love is. Um, we, we right, can't goes do that. beyond that. It's um, it's way big. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us uh, uh, this week, Kathy. I appreciate it, and this was great. So uh, you're gonna, you, you are gonna have to come back. You know that, right? We're just gonna, all right. We're just... I'll be here Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Very I'm kind good. of tied to this place. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I like it here. Good, good. We're very glad to, to we're looking forward to, to, to that sermon then on Sunday. So, uh, well, then I, this has been your podcast for February 24th, uh, 2019. I'm Ben. I'm Bruce. I'm Kathy. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks so much. Bye.